Hey, what's up? Welcome to Project Freelance. My name is Kay Nagonio, and I am your host here on this podcast all about freelancing. This week on the podcast, I am joined by the amazing Elizabeth Reichart. She is a disabled, chronically ill photographer who is still kicking ass in the photography world. She specializes in drag photography, boudoir photography, and something she likes to call disability power portraits. We're going to be talking a whole lot about how you can get out of your house and start chasing your dreams and starting your own freelance business. This podcast is going to help you out. It's going to inspire you to get out of your house, get off your butt and go get that money, kid. Cool. But before we get into this podcast, we have an advertisement because I have a book out. It's called No Tracers, an Urban Explorer's Diary. And I like to make these little ads to plug in here to the podcast, to plug onto social media, to, uh, you know, help sell some books. You know, books are a long, painstaking process of creating and compiling imagery. And I have taken the time to create and compile some awesome imagery. And so I hope you guys enjoy this ad. Everyone knows about this place, but few have stepped foot on its soil since its abandonment, which is what makes it so unique. This place was opened several times between the 80s and 90s, but in 2000 it filed for bankruptcy after one of its employees was crippled in an accident in the park, and they settled for $4.4 million in damages. It's so interesting to see what people leave behind. For example, the sunglasses rack was left here, and I had to take the opportunity to take a photo with a pair of sunglasses on this rack, sitting in an abandoned, destroyed room. I've skateboarded in the Lazy River, and it's quite the skate. If you start up by the kids' slides and hit the ramp into the river, you will fly through the park. Urbex tip. Bring a skateboard when you can. It will help you maneuver through buildings faster, and it can really add to the dynamics of your filmmaking, or it can serve as a prop for your photos. It could even become the subject for your shoot. Abandoned locations make for some of my favorite backdrops. It's like a set I didn't have to build. As a documentarian, I think the real-life aspect of urban exploration is what appeals most to me. No Tracers, an Urban Explorer's Diary, justtheletterk.com slash no tracers. Use code SPOOKY2019 for 10% off your order. All right, so that was an ad for my book, No Tracers, an Urban Explorer's Diary. If you want to get a copy, the link's going to be down in the description below this podcast. But without further ado, we're going to jump right into it. If you guys do like this episode at any time, do me a favor and give it a five-star rating and leave it some feedback. It helps the podcast grow on the platform you are listening to it on, and it helps us reach more people. All right, Elizabeth, please introduce yourself and what you do to the audience. My name is Elizabeth Reichart, and I am a photographer. I specialize in performance photography, um, boudoir, commercial fashion, and my passion is disability portraiture, uh, what I call disability power portraits and disability boudoir. So let's talk about, first of all, how did you get into photography in the first place? All right. So I'm a disabled photographer. I, uh, I have a chronic illness. I use a wheelchair. Um, and how I got into photography was I was stuck at home a lot because of my illness. And to pass the time, I picked up a camera and started mostly shooting my cats, actually, uh, taking lots of photos of them. And I realized I had a bit of a knack for it, and I enjoyed it a lot. And so eventually I started 
moving on to um, taking photos of friends and eventually I got invited to a drag show in April 2017 and that was my first performance I ever photographed and I absolutely just fell in love with it and uh, the rest just kind of evolved from there. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, you you bring something different to the table of photography. You are in a wheelchair. What what challenges have you faced? Like, what have you had to overcome in dealing with that? I So I started using the wheelchair a year ago. And before that, I had health issues. And the wheelchair has just helped me so much. And some challenges I have faced, uh, definitely accessibility, um, a lot of venues for concerts and shows and even studios aren't accessible so I have to um, really advocate for myself and learn um, how to adapt to my surroundings. Um, I also have to shoot from different angles than I used to be able to shoot from. When I first started performance photography I was kind of known for being all over the place. I would stand on tables in the club for the drag shows. I would stand on tables. I would hang off of cages, go underneath tables. Um, one person once told me I was as much fun to watch as the performers. And I just, it was it was really difficult to become so limited in my abilities and, well, not my abilities, but my mobility. And, um... I had to learn how to work within tighter constraints. I've also had to learn how to um, stand up for myself a little bit more. Uh, people sometimes take advantage of the fact, like, well, particularly when I'm in the pit, I've been blocked before. People have taken advantage of the fact that I have less mobility, so they've stood in front of me or different things like that. So I've had to be a little more outspoken in those situations as well for sure yeah um so when it comes to the type of photography that you do what got you interested in you know doing drag kind of stuff what got you interested in doing boudoir and uh what got you interested in doing the disability power portraits well the drag stuff like i said i was invited by a friend and she just uh, she was a photographer as well, and and just, I don't know, what I like about drag performance photography is you can, it's, it's capturing something that can never be recreated, no matter how hard you try, that one moment in time will, will never happen again, and I think that's kind of magical, and I also really like being able to pull um, the personality out of the performer. So you're not seeing just like something documented. You're seeing an actual, almost a portrait of a, f a performer taking place. Those really draw me. This, it's, it's a very exciting field for me. Then the disability portraiture, um, especially the boudoir, I, I realized that there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of, I wouldn't say discrimination, but there's a definitely a missing demographic in boudoir space. Um, a lot of the bodies we see in boudoir look the same, and there's 
a wider range of sizes these days, but not a lot of different abilities. And I think, you know, the disability, uh, the disability demographic, the population, it's the largest minority in the world, and it's one that anyone can become a part of at any time. So it's really important to feature us because you're, I mean, on a, on a practical note, you're missing out on a huge opportunity and, and you're leaving a lot of income on the, on the ground, but everyone deserves to feel beautiful. Everyone deserves to be shown in the way that they want to be shown. And that's what I want to do. I want to capture beauty and strength in the way that the my models want to be seen and so often we're pitied or just not shown represented in the light that we want to be seen in and as someone from that community i feel like i have a good place to show how people like me want to be represented yeah and did you start doing the disability portraiture did you start doing that uh when you got into your chair or before? I started after I got into my chair, but I've identified as disabled since uh, basically my whole life. Um, I've lived with several uh, mental illnesses. I've had different physical illnesses for years now. Um, I've been I've been a disability activist almost my entire life, but being in the chair gives you a different level of visibility that while on some ways makes it more difficult in some ways it does make it a lot easier because being seen offers almost a validation that invisible illnesses don't give you now it's also a lot harder too and I'm lucky enough that I'm in a wheelchair and I have a very loud voice and I choose to use that to help other people so it almost like opened your eyes to this whole new demographic of people that you could work with. Talk about that as like an income perspective. Like you said, you're, you're leaving a bunch of a ton of money on the table. So talk about how you've uh, grown your business in in a sense of uh, using the skills that you do have to be able to keep building this business and you found this new demographic. It's a challenge um, because it's, it's hard to, for one thing, it's a fine line um, between showing the community as as they want to be seen as, as and as I want to show them. And, I mean, I'm doing this for my community. But in marketing, um, you know, I have to have my work be shown for people to see it. And I, I often am concerned about you know, how about how the able-bodied audience is viewing my work. Because there's, you know, a whole problem with inspiration porn, things like that. And it's, uh, I don't want my images to be viewed by able-bodied people as, as, as an inspiration for them. It's supposed to be inspirational for my community. Um, but what I've been doing is I've been reaching out to different community leaders, different um, adaptive athletes, 
different adaptive models in my area. Um, and just, I don't know, trying to get people to help me build my portfolio. And it's, it's starting to take off. It's starting to get a lot of attention and I'm, I'm, I have some amazing plans for it. So I'm really excited. So talk about some of the specific projects you've done with people that you've really enjoyed being a part of. I have done a couple shoot with a um, a woman who has uh, EDS. I, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, um, and is also a below the knee amputee and is also deaf. And she was with a non-binary person um, who had a spinal cord injury and uses a wheelchair. And the two of them had the most gorgeous, it was so, so hot, a boudoir couple shoot. It was absolutely incredible. And they were a blast to work with. Um, I got to work with a Paralympian, a four-time medalist. And they that was just the biggest honor. Um, I've gotten to work with another couple who are both uh, big leaders in the community. The woman is, um, she is a teacher and she has cerebral palsy and is blind. And the man, and I have, by the way, full permission to share all of these details. I want everyone to make sure that they know that. Um, and her partner uh, is a big leader in the community and also a cerebral palsy. And just the comments I got after their shoot from them were just amazing. I I've I really just enjoy being able to show people in the light that they are wanting to be seen because so often we're only allowed to be seen as society views us. And I think it's really cool to just take hold of that and give people power back, basically. Yeah, and it's completely amazing that you are becoming such a big part of, you know, your community by providing this service to people. And I I don't want you to, to ever, like, overlook that or think or not even, like, recognize that, but you're doing so much for your community. Um, where are you finding your clients from? Like, where? how are people finding you? Like, do you have a website, social media? Like, how are people, how are you finding your uh, your new clients a lot of it's word of mouth um I mean, it's basically all word of mouth right now um i'm involved in a lot of different groups on facebook um different activism groups i'm on instagram as well i'm uh at liz r-a-j-c-h-a-r-t which is my last name and i have a website elizabethreichardt.com um and i have facebook as well but i i would really love to build my clientele i'd love to be able to travel and go outside of my own community in St. Louis and really expand this to, I'd like my name to be pretty well known with the disability community. I think it'd be great to be somebody people think of when they are needing a service like this. I, I love it. It's amazing. It's so cool that that your community is backing behind you and they're supporting you in doing this. Um, for other people that may be, uh, you know, disabled in any sense, what would you want to say to them as far as getting out of the house goes? I know that a lot of people that are disabled have a hard time getting out of the house because of mental reasons that maybe they can't mentally uh, 
you know, cope with being out in public and dealing with the things that disabled people do have to deal with on a daily basis, what would you say to them to help get them out of the house? Um, take it, take it slow. Take it one step at a time. I went from not having a job, not having friends to having a career and a social life and you don't have to do it all at once. But honestly, the biggest thing that I can tell any person with or without a disability, honestly, is self-advocacy is the most important skill you can have as as a disabled or non-disabled person. You have to, it's a skill you have to practice. It's a skill you have to develop. But it's it's vital to be able to advocate for yourself and your own needs. And the thing is, things you're advocating for generally you're entitled to and it's okay to ask for these accommodations we don't live in an accessible world we live in a world that is designed for a very specific type of person and most people simply don't fit into that box and self-advocacy allows you to make your own world accessible for you and that is so incredibly important and how did you learn to advocate for yourself? Like, was it, did it come naturally or was it something you had to build? It is a skill I've been building my entire life. I, uh, I had an IEP and a 504 plan since I was, which are um, educational accommodations since I was 12 years old. And even back then, I would have to learn how to tell my teachers, like, no, I, I am allowed to type these assignments. No, I am allowed to have extra time on tests. No, I am allowed to go to another space when I need to. These are legally, these are, I'm legally entitled, entitled to these accommodations and you are required to give them to me. So as a 12 year old, having to talk to adults like that is very scary, but uh, it, it served me well because now I can go to owners of, major venues um, and tell them and, and advocate for my own needs in the workplace. So what are some of those needs in the workplace that you've you've had to ask for? I've had to make sure that there's enough space for me in the pit with my wheelchair. Um, I've mid-show had to see if I could go up into different areas. Um, now, they some of these aren't like actually legally entitled but it 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 helps having that experience to be able to ask for them so like once I was in the pit and I saw that there was a platform in front of me and I was I was very nervous about it but I just went for it and I it was a video videographer platform and I was just like hey can I come up there with you because I down here in this chair cannot see the stage and he was like sure and so he just let me go up there um, I've talked to the photo director after, and uh, we were able to come up with a place above everyone else, um, like above the soundboard that I was able to shoot from so that I just had more of an even playing field with everyone else. Um, I'm also able to bring a personal assistant with me to shows to help with mobility, be there in case I have any falls or whatever and help carry my equipment it's been incredibly helpful this this was the first full season that I've had someone helping me and everyone's been super accommodating 
And part of that is because I'm able to clearly ask for what I need. Exactly. And so getting the assistant, talk about how that's changed your your game overall. I mean, just being able to have another person, I can, Im- oh, I can only imagine how much more helpful that is. But uh, yeah, just talk a little bit about the perks of having an assistant, because even able-bodied people, even I want an assistant, you know, I, I'm a small person. I weigh like 110 pounds and I'm out here carrying 65, 70 pounds of gear. And sometimes I just like wish I could just have an assistant to carry my backpack or, you know, help with the load. So talk about having an assistant and the perks of that. It's been really nice. Uh, I usually use uh, one of my partners as my assistant and it um, they make sure I can get through the barricade to get into the pit. They make sure that they're there to help swap things out for me faster because sometimes my neuropathy kicks in in my hands and I'm unable to work as fast as I'd like to. They carry my stuff because like, I might just get very weak after shows. And since having an assistant to help me and they also have the past so they can like help me in and out of places, in and out of the car, things like that, I've gotten much less sick after shows. Uh, there was a huge problem with me getting sick for days after shows and that has been much less of an issue now that I can bring someone with me and have them help me out. Yeah, just dealing with that fatigue after a show, you know, everybody deals with that. And I mean, being somebody that has, you know, chronic illness, I, I don't, I don't want to keep saying like, I can't, I can only imagine, like, I don't want to like show pity, but I mean, it sucks. Like I get that it sucks and we all deal with that stuff. So I think it's important that we talk about this kind of stuff. Um, have you dealt with being screwed over on any jobs being told that, no, you can't do this. No, you can't go here. Um, have you ever dealt with that? Cause I mean, personally I've been screwed over by many a gig. And so that's something I like to talk about on this podcast because everybody deals with it. It's kind of amazing. I've been waiting for the other shoe to drop and you know, I've been denied passes before and maybe that's why I have no idea but as far as I know everybody's been really willing to work with me the smaller stages um in my city have been made sure that I can get through made sure that everything is good for me um I don't know I'm I'm not sure why I've been so lucky in that regard because I've been waiting for the other shoe to drop for quite a while now um but no everything is been, as far as I know, like I said, they don't tell you why you get rejected for show access. So I guess I don't really know, but I've never been told directly. I think there's also the legality of it. You can't really tell the girl in the wheelchair. You can't for come sure. because you're in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that's a definite thing that people uh, probably, you know, hesitate from. So what is your background in photography? I mean, we talked about, you know, your background in photography, how you got started, but do you have any formal training in photography? Did you go to school for it or anything? No, I'm fully self-taught and very much taught on the job for performance, especially. Um, I've, I have some great mentors that have helped me learn studio lighting, have helped me learn a lot of studio aspects. But as far as photography basics go and performance stuff, it's very much self-taught and on the job. So talk about mentors. Uh, that's something else we like to talk about on here a lot, being an intern for somebody or having a mentor and the importance of that and what it can really do and add to your business. So talk about your mentorship a little bit more. Well, all I can say is you have to be able, 
again, with advocacy, you have to just ask for what you want, ask for what you need. Um, I uh, have some amazing mentors who have worked with me and taught me, and it's it's all because I walked up. I One of them actually is in charge of a pretty major um, w- company and workshop, and I got that mentorship by going up to him after he was done talking to hundreds of people and just saying, I have this idea. I think it's really great. I want your help with it. And he was like, okay, let's set something up. And I was kind of shocked that it worked out that way. But, you know, if I have so, so much in my life is simply because I said I want that and I'm going to ask for it. I have a huge... Um, coming up covering uh, an awards show in LA and I have that because I messaged them and I said I want to shoot for you and it worked out if if you want something go for it the worst they can say is no they can't say no even they can't say no they can't say yes if you don't even ask in the first place yeah and I think putting things out into the universe is also a big part of that you know saying you want something to somebody really can cement that idea into their heads. And I think it's important to, you know, ask for what you want and what you need. Like you keep saying, it it is so very important. Um, What normal jobs or what, you know, what real jobs have you had or do you currently have to help supplement your income? I haven't been able to work very much. Like I said, I, um, I was, um, very sick quite a while and I I've done retail let's see I've done mostly retail um yeah I I would love to have sometimes I would I would love to just have a regular office job just because I feel like there are things that I've missed out on because I've been sick but I don't know I I yeah I haven't been able to do a lot of things I was in school for a while for um, sign language interpreting. And I had to drop out because again, I was sick. Um, so I've really just made, this is, that's why this new career is so good for me because I can make it work for myself, make it work for my own health. Um, it's, uh, it's something totally different that does something that I've never been able to do before, which is just be independent and have a career. Yeah, and you can make your own hours, pick your own jobs. I mean, and photography is such a great gig for people that really want to take control over what they do and what they love to do. Um, so talk about some of your influences, some other photographers you look up to. Mick Rock, for sure, is a huge influence of mine. I think he's absolutely spectacular. Um, a lot of them, though, I just find on Instagram, I just... You know, look, look for what's happening now. Um, I don't have a lot, like a huge list of people I can necessarily reference other than McRock because I'm kind of obsessed with McRock. But um, yeah, I'm more inspired by, I don't know things that I just come across. I, I don't know if I have any names I can pull. I have a lot of great photographers in my own 
circle that I'm inspired by. A lot of my own friends are very inspiring to me. A lot of people that I share the pit with frequently are very inspiring to me. So what are some projects you have that uh, are coming up or things, personal projects that you want to do for yourself? Oh, for myself? Um, yeah. Do I, do I have time for personal projects right now? <laughs> um, I, I, I'm entering some awards that I'm not fully up for talking about right now, but um, they're more highlighting the disability community once more. Um, some focus on disability, uh, disabled parents, some focus on some more disability boudoir aspects. Um, yeah, I, I don't have any huge projects in the works, but one thing that I'm, I don't know, I, I would love to be able to just shoot more of the community. I think that getting some more athletic portraiture would be incredible. Working with some more Paralympians would be absolutely phenomenal. Um, yeah, those are some bigger dreams of mine. And uh, what camera are you shooting on right now? What body, what lenses do you like to use? Um, what's your, what is your gear list? Uh, I shoot with a Canon 5D Mark III. Her name is Veronica. Um, she, uh, I've had her since 2017. Um, I really love my Sigma 35. I, uh, just got a Tamron 7200 that I really love. Um, and I also have a, uh, 50 millimeter that I use a lot too. What is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started photography? Let me think about that one. Your style will always be developing and changing. And while it's important to establish a style, it's important to allow space to let that grow as well. And you, and I, I would love who have known that you how do I how do I word this properly you don't know you'll never know everything but you you know more than you give yourself credit for for sure yeah I I think you're right you know I think people often put themselves down and they don't give themselves the credit where, where it's due. And I think that, you know, we do know a lot more than we think, than we think we do. Um, what is like when you learned lighting, for example, cause you do a lot of portraiture and I know lighting is super important. How like you learn to light on sets. Um, what is, if you have like a tip or two about how to light properly, uh, I would love to hear that. So a lot of people who have, more professional training, have a lot of formulas they follow. And uh, that's great. And I think that's wonderful. But I also think there's a lot to be said for just working in the moment with what you do know and what you do have. And be flexible. Some of my favorite shots actually happened by, I wouldn't say by accident, but it 
things happened that I wasn't expecting and be able to work with what what is in front of you instead of necessarily what's stuck in your brain. I I have a lot of I have I have a lot of experience with being so stuck on trying to make something happen that I'm not seeing what's in front of me until I come home and I'm like, oh, that's actually that's actually gorgeous. And I be flexible with your visions, I think, is what it comes down to. Yeah, definitely be open to switching it up. And I've had the same thing happen. You know, you get home and you you were surprised by the unexpected. And it always turns out to be like the best photo of the shoot is the one that was unexpected or unplanned. So what can be done to help disabled photographers more? Um, uh, talk about access, talk about... Um, you know, viewing platforms, things like that. What can be done to further help disabled people be more confident and have more success doing what they love to do? We need a lot more accessibility just in general, um, but especially with uh, studios and venues, things like that. Um, it's, It's remarkable how hard it was for me actually to find there, there are a few accessible studios in my area, but so many of them just aren't due to either having steps to get through or having the way that they're laid out is, is really difficult to work with or just different things. Accessibility is, is so important, and it's such a thing that you take for granted until you're in a position where it affects you. I also think... Um, Having more opportunities that instead of there's there's a there's a big push right now on diversity in front of the lens, having diverse models, having diverse actors, things like that. There's not as big of a push for diversity behind the lens. And I think if more companies were to take the initiative to make both sides of the lens more diverse, it would benefit not only people like me but the company in general so the last thing i want to have you talk a little bit about is for those photographers that are out there that are disabled that you know keep telling themselves oh i can't do it because of my disability i can't do it because of this because of that what would you say to them to encourage them to pick up a camera and get out and go do it i mean photography was life-changing for me photography gave me a purpose photography um, opened up so many opportunities, not just for a career, but for independence in the way of me feeling like I had a, a reason and had a purpose. Um, I would say learn to advocate, learn to learn, practice your self-advocacy and make sure you know the things you need and are able to ask for it. Um, I would say be able to say no to things if you need to so that you can say yes to bigger and better things. Um, basically prioritize what's important to you, go after that and set really clear boundaries for what the things that you're capable of and don't let people push you around. Um, I would just believe in your own abilities. There, I am a, a 
I am a true believer that if you, if anyone is accommodated for, and they have the proper accommodations, they can do anything. They are unstoppable. Our world, like I said, is set up for a very narrow range of people. But if we were all accommodated for, we would all be unstoppable. And I think that's just really important. Be able to ask for what you need and then don't accept any excuses. Hell yeah. That was great. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Thank you. I know it's uh, not always easy to step out of your comfort zone, but you know I think this is going to help a lot of people out there. So I really appreciate you taking the time. All right, that was Elizabeth Reichardt. Thank you for coming on the podcast and talking to me about what it is that you do as a freelance photographer. I think this episode is going to be in the top ranking episodes of this podcast because of what we talked about here today. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, please do me a huge favor and smash that rating. Give it a five-star rating and leave some feedback so other people that are looking for podcasts to listen to might come across your feedback and give this podcast a chance. Thank you, guys. My name is Kay Nagonio. I will talk to you next week on Project Freelance.